0: Like well, his career was going towards that I think he developed the whole style just to get away. We're having a man carrying a pineapple and not looking silly as fuck.
1: Hello there and welcome to The Recommendation Game. This is a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch them separately and then Skype to discuss them. My name is Orla Magnilis.
0: My name is Ricardo
1: Deacon. Uh, you're listening to Tom with Digital Radio. Welcome. This week's film was chosen by Ricardo. It is Le Havre from 2011. In this warm-hearted comic yarn from Aki Kurismaki, fate throws the young African refugee Idrissa into the path of Marcel Marx, a kindly old bohemian who shines shoes for a living in the French harbour city Le Havre. With inborn optimism and the support of his tight-knit community, Marcel stands up to the officials, doggedly pursuing the boy for deportation. A political fairy tale that exists somewhere between the reality of contemporary France and the classic French cinema of the past, Le Havre is a charming deadpan delight and one of the Finnish director's finest films. The film was directed by Aki Kurismaki, written by Aki Kurismaki, produced by Aki Kurismaki, starring Andre Williams, Kate Utenen, Jean-Pierre Dorosine, and Blondine Miguel, cinematography by Timo Salmonen, and edited by Timo Linaslo. Un film de Aki Kurismaki. In France. Uh, So, Ricardo, uh, why did you pick this second time offender? I was convinced we'd watch more than one Akakura's Maki Fellow, but apparently not.
0: Well, maybe it's because we spent half of the time watching whenever we watched... uh, What was the the, the Ozu movie that we did? uh,
1: Floating Weeds was...
0: Floating Weeds, yes. we, We spent... A good time of that episode discussing Curse as well. So perhaps uh, by our spouses, it makes it feel like uh, we've done more than one episode. But anybody that has listened to me inside the podcast and outside the podcast will probably know that Curse is one of my favorite directors. Even his lesser works are some of my favorite movies. So uh, I thought that it was time to...
1: Dust them off. Dust them off and roll them out. Yeah. The, Cigarettes and...
0: <laughs> just like he does himself every so often, you know? I was thinking about this, that it seems to me that I have either like only two settings. I like movies that are deeply humanist or deeply cynical. I don't like <laughs> movies in the middle. When it comes to Karazmaki, his humanism is one of the biggest things that attracts me to his movies. Like, somehow... He is able to make the 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 biggest drama really small, but at the same time, really small things, really big. It's the deadpan way that he shoots movies, which are qu- it's so unique to him. It's one of those directors that you can just watch two seconds of a movie and immediately know that it is yeah Paris Mackie. There's no... Way like if somebody shoots a movie like this, it is pure plagiarism. There's no reason to make a movie this way. I think you,
1: I think it would be impossible in a way to be able to replicate the certain aesthetic of his shoots. Though I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's just something in the way the man is himself that, in order to attempt to recreate it effectively, you would need to become him <laughs> in some way
0: and every time that he gets actors to, to be in his movies they always uh, buy into the me- methods and I, I imagine it would be very difficult as an actor to thread the needle that you have to do in a charismatic movie that is, be charismatic and uh, and lovable and personable and, emotion- and emotional but without emoting any emotion without doing anything big
1: yeah, I'd I see i t- I do wonder I mean, we'm gonna talk about this later i do sometimes I wonder about wh- is it that they're not emoting or it's that they're just emoting in such tiny ways that it makes any emotions whatsoever almost incredible in the phones. I don't know I was thinking that as I was watching it yesterday.
0: I think it's a combination of being able to write the most outrageous dialogue and it's being able to it's able to be sold because of the deadpan-ness. Like because the world it's so clearly not our own it is easy like the willing suspension the disbelief is left at the door anything can happen in this world because it is you know even in, you don't question why do they have a rotary phone like payphone on the side of a bar in 2011 france that it is uh very well kept and maintained and beautifully illuminated is don't ask any questions just go with it kind of situation and i think that that goes across with all his movies i think the uh to a certain degree letting grab cowboys was just him pushing to see how far people would buy his movies if you keep this deadpan the how ridiculous can you be without people checking out and the answer is, in the sequel, uh, the moment that you saw off the nose of the Statue of Liberty, uh, the characters start talking to Moses. That's <laughs> the limit <laughs> of the style, isn't I it, suppose. <laughs> is
1: it? The sequel, like the Leningrad Cowboys, go to meet Moses or something. Is that the name of the film? <laughs> it's like,
0: <laughs> yeah, the Leningrad Cowboys meet <laughs> Moses. Yeah, that's the the name of the sequel. The I uh, forever remember the the cover of the the DVD that the back of it is just somebody with a with a um, pneumatic drill uh hitting the nose of the Statue of Liberty with the, one of the points? Well,
1: kind of um, yeah, that makes more
0: sense. <laughs> but I think like this is the two movies that Charizard did back to back that are based on um based on, but they are uh, talking about the plight of refugees in Europe. And I think that, in a way, it's the perfect topic for Karismaki because it's one that requires a soft touch, but also deep humanity to be able to humanize everybody involved, even the people that the system is against. And I think that he... Uh, completely learn the correct lessons of the man without a past of how to show a, a sense of community how to raise the drama and lower the drama like so many Kroos movies there's a, a really odd music interlude oh, of course which you is just <laughs> it's you do not cut well. away from
1: either you just kind of like you know he's gone to all the effort of getting this guy back out of retirement after feuding with his wife for a while uh so you know, god damn it we're gonna see this guy say.
0: Well Little Bob is actually a musician as well oh, in real yeah. life. Little Bob is played by Little Bob. Uh good old Roberto Piazza is his name.
1: Oh my god. Guess where he was born. Piedmont, Italy. Where you were? <laughs> no, fucking trouble hunters. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: the links. Going back to Le Havre, I think that it is so beautifully poised as a, a portrayal of what people can do if they if they band together. And it is a film without a happy ending to a certain degree because you don't know what's going to happen to Idrissa, but it's the way of helping just that moment of humanity that Idrissa experienced would like be part of his life forever in a way that even if if the future might not be perfect is the realization that people do care for others that there's a certain optimism to life and again it's the bit that I appreciate Karis Maki because even though he's an eternal optimist and a person that uh, deeply deeply loves people he also is not he never oversimplifies the issue. Like the system is against these people. There are people that are against them. Like the neighbor played brilliantly by Jean-Pierre Lode, uh, which I think is the second movie that he's popped in for Karis Maki. Uh, I think I've mentioned the other movie that he did with Karis Maki that uh, it's hilarious because it's in the only movie in English that I think Kurzmay did. So he cast a Frenchman that can't <laughs> speak English in the lead role, and part of the the joy of the movie is that you can't understand what Jean-Pierre Lode is saying. Uh, like he probably saw Truffaut in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Truffaut can't speak English in that movie, and then he went yes. Okay, I'll get the actor that plays the analogue of Truffaut and of movies and put him in an English movie so he can suffer exactly the same. And it's meta that way. But I Hire Contract Killer has a brilliant premise that um, jean Pierre Lode wants to commit suicide because he gets fired from his job. Uh, he's trying to do it himself, but he can't go through with it. So he, just because of the, the anticipation of dying, like uh scares him it's not the act of dying that scares him so he decides to hire an assassin to kill him but he tells the assassin do it by surprise because i don't want to know that i'm gonna die i just want it for it to happen and as soon as the contract killer disappears he falls in love (laughs) with somebody and changes his mind but he can't (laughs) contact the contract (laughs) killer again it's uh pure karismaki brilliant but going back like to this movie i think that also the cast is just brilliant i don't think that there's a single miscast person in this movie i think the aesthetic of it is just beautiful i'd argue that this is the best shot uh karismaki movie even though they're all shot by Mm -hmm. the same guy so it is not like a a sense of change or whatever but so much of it because like it's so painterly especially the interiors they look so beautifully uh framed but also the the colors just complement each other so much that is quite beautiful and you know like even the little things like but Whenever uh, Marcel goes and gets uh, a sandwich and water for Idrissa, and the the, thing, like, uh, the counter up. lady goes,
1: or she's like water, he's like it's for someone else. But the that...
0: yeah, but even the way that he uses his hand, the it, it's very almost uh, it's almost Jacques <laughs> Tati esque. The the, the 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 way that he holds his hand away from his body to say nope, it's not for me. Never fret but i I, the characters are so well drawn it's a movie that is 90 minutes it covers so much ground but also it has so much backstory for every character without having any exposition it's so incredible how both production design but also just direct screenwriting you know like the the whole thing with the cop on the the Bar Lady and like the Bar Lady's bar husband lady. and Marcel. It's li-
1: Bar Lady.
0: The lady that owns the bar, sorry.
1: There we go. <laughs> Getting a lot of flashbacks to uh 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 Ali Jack Dead of the Soul uh, Fear Eats the what the hell's the name of that film?
0: Fear Eats the Soul, yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Going back hilariously to uh the fucking banshees of Inish free or whatever the fuck in a share and whatever the fuck that movie is called that that movie the pub in that movie is so fake because is it looks like a pub nowadays in that is a tourist trap in any ireland in the west of ireland or any like pub once you leave dublin they have the same guinness ads the same aesthetic you know it's like oh we're traditional irish pub blah, blah 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 like there's no frills but that's the supposedly the the point of it but also how hopping this pub is it feels like it is amazing the to live this life is incredible to have the money to go to the pub every day that they are there every day in well. the pub it's
1: isn't that what people did like there was nowhere else to go literally in the entire fucking island to hang out so i think people just did go to the pub yeah but also <laughs> uh, uh,
0: if you lived in abject poverty you couldn't afford points every day and they're paying cash every day uh, where does the, all that money come from like a bit the the
1: selling milk the economy of inner sharing is strong yeah exactly. So. You can buy bacon, not a bother, unrefrigerated bacon. Uh, <laughs> I know it's cured, but I still love the fact that he goes into like, or she goes into buy, and she just goes, oh, okay, here's the meat thing. <laughs> it's like, mm. <clears throat> I thought if your chopping off your fingers it didn't kill you, then the, uh, all the pork would. <laughs> Fair.
0: But in this, like the bar is way more realistic. Also, the how the people look—they're, you know, they—they just seem to almost live there. They, and it was kind of interesting to see it after, uh, watching, Empty Pockets and Bloody Noses. The how, oh yeah, how, how, didactically different the two movies are. One is completely aesthetic. Uh, and the other is trying to portray itself as reality and how they're both able to sell their respective bars as a real place, real people, you know? Even the face of the guy whenever he goes and locks the door so Marcel can escape out yeah. the back. Look.
1: But it's it's that's because Aki Kurzmagi will literally find those people just based on their screen presence alone and cast them, as opposed to you know what let's get Pat Short and make him the bartender because that will seem funny.
0: And I do think also that like I'll watch anything with Katy Utinen, which is mostly movies with occur- the Kurzmagi did because as far as I know she's only done a couple movies and a few TV shows uh that are not directed by Maki. God knows why, because she's so talented. She has such an interesting face and maybe I'm just uh I just know. Let's see. Maybe I'm completely incorrect. She's been no like I'm incorrect. She's been in 83 fucking movies. So I think Karis Maki definitely hasn't made 83 movies. But even her character in this like Under anybody else's hands, she'd be just a terrible character, just this saintly woman, etc. But for uh, for that, seems to live purely for the benefit of her husband. But because this is a charismatic movie, it is both you know, like it shows that she's the only one that sees Marcel for who he is, that he's actually like a kind person. Everybody else thinks that he's a loser until he takes the risk of taking Idrissa in, which is such an interesting way of seeing the world that everybody is... Uh, uh, No, I just love this movie, but uh, I'm kind of rambling here, so I'll pass it over to yourself. Uh, What did you think of Le Havre? Uh,
1: Okay, so (laughs) first of all, for some reason in my brain uh i had confused this with uh La Haine. oh jesus <laughs> Another French movie. So i was like oh gosh it's like yeah that is, i've never seen that yeah okay that's cool and then uh i went back so i always go back and listen to the episode to make sure i've got you saying the movie right and then i was like oh hold on and i googled it and i was like Wait, this is a fucking Iker's Saki movie? And then yesterday I double-checked just to make sure, because I was like, that'd be pretty terrible. We watched the wrong film. Um, yeah, so I was like, oh my god, lucky am Iker's film. And then I was like, our third one? No, our second one. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so we did uh, uh, The Man Without a Past in episode 30 <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> what? Uh, yes, yes. And, uh, I had to say, it, it's a cracker of an episode. It's really, really good. Um, the year that started on that episode, I'd recommend going back and listening to it. It's really good. Um, you goes from, I think it was from Aga himself, when it was like, uh, I'm assuming, not this must be the place, uh, The Other Side of Hope. I'm assuming it would have been around whenever that came out, because this would have been probably around 2017. Um... And when they, like, people are asking him what his new film is about, and he's basically like, it's the same as all the other movies I've made. <laughs> it's like the same themes, just slightly different characters and slightly different situations. Like that's, you know, and he's not like, <laughs> he's not trying to be like obtuse about it. He's just like, you know, I like the films I make. Um, I find there's a good uh, article, in The Atlantic, um, around the same time with that film, I might as well. <clears throat> Cheap cafes and bars, boxy old portable radios, record players, accordions, music of all kinds, cigarettes, booze, and dogs. These are the elements of the charismatic charismatic cinematic universe, the things his characters savour, usually in silence. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. It's like every description of his movies is like just people being silent, you know? I was like... Yeah, I, I, they, yeah like they don't say very much of the things they say often are very nonsensical and, and like weird and but I don't know why it's like I get so much emotion from the characters in his movies um so I always think when people are like he just makes these like strange cold films I'm like does he because <laughs> in my mind he doesn't at all um but it's just like such a weird filming style uh, it's just such a consistent filming style like I've definitely, I've seen people kind of being like oh he made another movie and it's the exact same hate it and it's like mm. <laughs> okay, it's not for you, that's fine uh, yeah, I really like this movie uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see him sort of switch from obviously he's done so many movies about like sort of people like working class people or people on the edges of society or whatever Um and it was interesting to see him kind of, like, widen the lens to to bring in, like, sort of our most, in our modern society, the most kind of, like, excluded, which is, like, refugees and asylum seekers, basically. So <clears throat> it, felt, it feels, like, appropriate for him, but also very interesting from his perspective, like, as you said, as well. Um, it's also interesting because he is Finnish, um, and he talks a lot about how finland is sort of a weird outlier in europe as well it's it's kind of like sort of being in scandinavia but like you know it's 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 got a different language it's just, it's this it's it's european but has i've got a strange different sensibility to it and <clears throat> um and how as a society that has like so many elements of like socialism baked into its capitalism um How badly it treats, like, well, basically every other country on the planet. Uh, How badly it treats people who are risking their entire lives just to have a life, basically. Um, I have a lot of really favorite shots in this. Um, I think one of my favorite ones uh, is, like, the reveal of the refugees in the container. Um, Because I was very, like, stressed in the build-up to that reveal. Because I was, like, because, like, I can't eat, like... I can't even see shipping containers anymore now without feeling horrified, and like it's weird to feel a little bit like that. The Curse movie because I was a bit like, ah. but like it's it's so interesting the the framing of the reveal because it's like it's almost like staged like a painting or something. The way like the wide shot and then the like close ups of everyone's faces and stuff because they're like. They're like clearly exhausted, but they still have the same air of like sort of not nonchalance, but like how do to, you how to describe, like, describe characters in this movie? It's like it's an almost like blankness or something, but at the same time there's still so much character behind the blankness, if that makes sense. Um, I just thought it was really beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, sorry I have such a good quote from myB uh, so so because he has such a particular style and because you know he's made two movies now that 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 focus very directly on the refugee crisis as it pertains to like Finland and Europe in general so I kind of wanted to look up and see if there was any negative reviews oh and there were oh. Uh, <laughs> Francophiles and ultra liberals will delight as Finnish director peddles sentimental, self righteous left wing fairy tale.
0: Well, the main character is called Marx. It's kind of like it's in the fucking text. It's not trying to, <laughs> in any shape like, or form, hide its message. <laughs> I just love like,
1: Aki Krasmaki is the extreme left leading Finnish director. I was like. Yeah, being so sort of decent to refugees is extreme left wing. Hell bent on satisfying every raving francophile's dream. We'd la have. <laughs> He's outdone even the most radical of today's French libertarians by fashioning a tale of never say die radical liberal curmudgeon out to save victimized third worlders from the clutches of a in inverted commas, fascistic police state. And for Charismaggy, of course, that includes the Catholic Church. How dare he be so extreme left-leaning that he... (laughs) He
0: he treats people from the quote-unquote third world as humans. Oh my God. What a radical. In a lot of ways, is the... The way that he humanizes everybody, like... what? Whenever you were talking about the uh, the moment that the container ship opens, it reminded me to a certain degree how I felt I was in Berlin a couple of weeks ago and uh, how I felt being in the holocaust uh, memorial like the the memorial for the death of the Jews. I don't know if you've seen it at least in Berlin that is just a load of blocks uh yeah, so whenever you're walking through it, it's kind of like corridors.
1: Mm, I've seen pictures of it, yeah. I, I I didn't see it when I was there though.
0: Like the thing is that it I never thought of it. Like I always wondered why was this decision for this to be the monument, you know? I haven't read why or how or how the decision came or the city planning that this is how they were going to memorialize the people that di- the Jews that died in the Holocaust. That whenever you're away from it, you just see it as a shape. Yeah. So it's mm. everything is uh um, like together. It's like you just see it as one massive object. But then whenever you're within it, you can only see like one or two blocks together. So it feels the the two things, the it's the tragedy of the Holocaust to that degree. that you both can only see it as a big number, as six million, or as like this mm. family. You can never your brain can never be able to, to align the two together at the same time. You either can only understand it as like, this. Individ- it happened to these individuals or to like this amount of numbers. You can't fathom six million individuals because no matter how busy your life is, you probably never meet or talk to six million individuals for the entirety of your life. Mm. So it is kind of, Similar to this, that it, whenever it cuts and it opens into the container ship that you see them as a whole, let's say that these are the refugees, but because it takes the time to shoot each person and to the degree that people are allowed to differentiate themselves in a Kurismaki movie, they all have their own weird vibe. Well, not doing much. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Like, even whenever he goes to the refugee center or he goes to <clears> the <throat> market looking for Idris's grandfather and the conversation that he has with Idris's grandfather, and it's like, oh, I'm his brother. I love that scene. Whenever he's like, I'm, I'm a lawyer. <laughs>
1: I'm a lawyer and a journalist. Uh, yeah, I've actually been recording this whole time. He just taps his pocket. <laughs> yeah it's funny um like i, what I like about the container scene as well is that um you know you have like like the cop is there kind of being like you know like oh is that necessary and you know with the guns and all that kind of stuff but i i like that he includes enough realism in it like the fact that the red cross are there that they come in and they're like red cross and they start asking people you know what i mean it's like because realistically like those are the people on the front line that have to deal with like you know all the bullshit of all the like, all the police stuff, but while trying to just fucking help people and stuff. So I like that he has that. Like, there's like enough little moments of, you know, in real life, this is what happens. But also, yeah. So also the
0: enough. cop points the gun at the kid. Uh, he has to say to the cop, "What are you doing? It's just a kid."
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the like, movie is like one
0: like, second away of being a completely different movie when if the guy pulls the trigger. Because if you're pointing the gun at somebody running away, is that you're prepared to pull the trigger usually?
1: Yeah, but even like how he decides to run or his grandfather, it's like this just little exchange of nods, like, yep, yep okay, and then he doesn't even run that fast. <laughs> he's like, <"D-d-d-d."> he's like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's interesting in comparison to um, the other side of hope which takes more the perspective of the uh, asylum seeker himself, which is kind of interesting cause as a comparison piece to this. Um, like... Yeah, I like. I wonder... Like, there were kind of certain points in the muddle where I was a little like the cop is just a little bit too nice. But also... He's such a strangely tragic figure that it sort of bothered me less as the film went on because he kind of has a relationship with a lot of the people and stuff. Um, well, like, But yeah, kind of...
0: I think that the, the part of being t- too nice in a way, it is on purpose also a comment about how you can't be that nice in modern france as a police officer that it is Mm. meant to elicit the emotion that you felt that it's like he's being too nice it's unrealistic and then then it's like ah it's because the the system is designed to to do that but also the fact that it's like your how a police system has to operate within you know being able to apprehend criminals but then it's like what are where is the resources being spent on the person the uh, the husband of the the lady that owns the bar that is behind jails is never behind bars uh, is never said why the cop had to to arrest him but also suggest that he did something serious because the detective keeps saying that he's a detective for criminals and big crimes (laughs) and stuff to stop the thing his point of being a cop is to do the things that cops should do that is just like stop keeping people safe everything else or even like to punish but at the same time it is the conversation that why do you do it then and you can truly see that he's been destroyed by the system uh, personally as well that he just doesn't want to be a cop anymore but he doesn't know how to be anything else and the way how people hate him into
1: that mold yeah it's also if he he could very easily have been played by a (laughs) Delon, like the mustache like the guy's face it's
0: the the costumes and the the cars and it's like a different it's not modern france but it is modern france it's so i love that even like the for the detail, that the whenever they're uh, organizing the financials or getting Adrisa to the UK, the yeah. they say for us we just need the petrol money, but for the Brits, ask for three thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, "Oh well, never going to raise that money. Just have a charity concert, okay?"
0: <laughs> there he is, with the little stamp. Then- I, I love the little Bob stamp. <laughs> And then the cops show up and, the, and Chang just goes, oh, you better just go. And like, he just leaves.
1: And then he's like, <clears throat> carefully counting out the fivers. And then, you know, your man's at the door. So he's like, oh, well, better just take the rest of this money. Hope it's enough. He's <laughs> like, you didn't count it. He's like, do you know what's in there? <laughs>
0: like- yeah, he leaves the, like a pile of coins in the corner as well. Like-
1: It did remind me a lot of times uh, of um, Withnail and I, because they were like Withnail and I are really drunk and yet are always or really broke and yet are always able to go drinking. and It's kind of like this as well, where I'm always like but Marcel's already spent all his money. How is he able to you know, it's like as it goes on it's like the the more free shit he gets from people because there's something like wait, Marcel he's alright. He's a good egg. Like, whenever he first goes to the, uh, oh, God, the little shops. Oh, my God. The little fucking bread, little bakery, first of all. Like, you never see much of it. You really only see these little corners where there's just bread everywhere. um It's like, you know, if you've been to France or if you've been to Italy or, you know, places like that, you could absolutely picture those little shops. And they're teeny tiny. And all they do is make this one type of bread, you know, and you can, like, smell it. It's so perfect. It's the scene where he goes to the little, um, the little grocery shop, and uh, he's he's kind of like, hello, hello. He's like, I'm not here. I'm upstairs. He's like, I can see you. I can see your <laughs> legs.
0: <just>
1: <laughs> but it's like as he's going over there, they're <laughs> having a conversation about some random guys. Like this is a beautiful cauliflower, <laughs> and then later on, Jim, um, uh, what's the he's not chinese he's actually vietnamese, vietnamese? uh is it Chiang? what's his well, name Chiang
0: is the name that he uses or because the, he has the fake, uh, the fake name, passport yeah. but even at the end i think that they still refer to him as chang pro- possibly for yeah safety reasons because you don't want to advertise that you have the
1: i don't know if he ever tells his actual name either but uh as he's like got he's got the cart with the with the vegetables on it and people are like shouting at him being like, Any cauliflowers?
0: <laughs> yeah, my husband is gonna kill me because I don't have the cauliflowers.
1: It's <laughs> like that's like just the funniest callback. I don't know why. And it also quite reminded me of uh Mr. Hulot at certain points, especially that one where he's like running down the street and people are like screaming at him. <laughs> um yeah, God, it's so funny. Is the, um,
0: the, the the weirdest thing, whenever you watch the charismatic movies, is that there are movies of like he didn't start out with the style. It's not similar to a certain degree with Wes Anderson that he kind of just fell into it, and every movie the style just becomes more and more rigid. I haven't seen it, and I don't know if I want to see it because it would just be too weird. But Kurosaki's first movie is an adaptation of Dostoevsky's *Crime and Punishment*, which is such a weird combination of material <laughs> and director. <laughs> what?
1: Like it also looks sort of just get frames from it, and I was like, these already, these still look so, like such uh fucking um, interiors it's funny how like in a way he's because he has such an emphasis on colors and stuff as well in a way he's kind of like almodovar and that there's so much like reds and yellows and but it's just less intense it's just like a more muted version of it but he does like even with her yellow dress like whenever she's coming home and stuff and like there are certain things that are like popping out all the time even whenever um uh, whatever. he's like putting on his proper suit and stuff so funny oh yeah like the, <clears> throat>
0: the throat> he finds humor in <laughs> the, the, the smallest things the way the, the conversation between Arletti and the doctor trying to convince the doctor not to tell him that she's gonna die soon and how much of a, like, a man child he is whenever Idrisa meets her is like you better get well he's not gonna make it without ah! you <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's a beautiful little exchange actually um but then whenever he goes to see her and like the present is unopened and her bed is like made and she's not there and it's like oh no um there is (laughs) sorry I was thinking of funny bits as well um uh whenever uh the cop is there and he's like trying to basically tip him off without telling him anything and uh Idris is like hiding behind the uh uh, behind the door which, like and there's one point when they both turn their heads and it's like it's so perfectly timed uh but then Marcel is in the background and he's got like an iron in the air and it's like fucking bright red or something as well he just picks it up and then, oh <laughs> it's like so silly oh, like just fucking hilarious um there's also something about the like personality that people have whenever they're ordering their drinks or ordering their food it's like i want an omelet, one egg
0: oh yeah because he can't afford it and then your are the, the detective is like i like uh a 2006 like specific wine and taste it to make sure that it is exactly the wine that he asked for but oh, at yeah. the end of the oh, yeah. day he also is a man of the people who drinks calvados wherever he goes to like a cheaper place because he has yeah. the calvados in the uh in the, the bar near Marcel's house and then he also has it mm-hmm. in the bar at the harbor
1: harbor I really love the um <laughs> uh I really love them. all the uh the various characters that he has, uh, who he like shines the shoes off. So like <laughs> the opening scene when they're in like the train station or whatever, and they're clearly just like a fucking you know a hit is about to happen or something. He's <laughs> like, well, at least he paid first. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah, that that is such a weird start of the movie, but also I think that it shows all that the fact that the movie establishes that the the world is not as perfect in the corners. Uh, uh yeah <laughs> that if you turn enough of the page like from daylight to nighttime and stuff that uh, there is a certain dirtiness and like that is not a a world without its flaws, which in every one of his movies i like I said I do appreciate that there's always like the clear the line forces of good versus evil, but also mm-hmm. that the evil is there that there are like cop the cop that is looking for a dresa no. Nah, The detective, the the lead cop, not only clearly likes the power and stuff, but he really wants to personally get this kid away. Yeah. And I think that the balance between him and the detective is really clever because it shows that it's not just it's not just the system it's the people in the system all they're also the problem but it's also the people as uh, the saying goes that it's usually the people that have the, the least that are able that are willing to share the most because they know where <clears throat> what having nothing really means and mm. also that it's way better to give it to somebody that is in need than to just waste it away so it's a uh, I, and I love that at no point there's ever, like, a discussion of should we do it or not. It's, like, for the people that are humane, it's, yeah, like, it this is what we do. Yeah. I do love it. Also, one of my favorite parts is whenever uh, he tells the the baker uh, about Idrissa and says promise that you haven't told anybody and she's like i promise i never told anybody you know me and then immediately the grocer is like hi marcel come over here here's all these free kind of uh, vegetables (laughs)
1: I oh, oh my god the shot whenever he's like oh i have some things that are like close to going off and he's just like stacking all these beautiful tins of sardines and everything and i was like oh my god i would kill to do a trolley dash
0: in that shop uh, <laughs> yeah probably like everything in that shop would be just be like one trolley I, uh the i have to say that the aesthetic of uh Kurosaki was 20 years or 30 years of filmmaking just to have a man wearing a trench coat a hat, leather gloves carrying a pineapple. I think that is the... what his career was going towards. I think he developed the whole style just to get away with having a man carrying a pineapple and not looking silly (laughs) as fuck.
1: But like a little pineapple as well. It's not even like a very big pineapple. (laughs) Oh god, I forgot about that. Um... uh, do you, do you have any closing? Like,
0: uh, the way that I feel about this movie, in a way that... Like, Man of... Without a Pass, certainly for you, was like a discovery because you've never seen any Kurzmaki before. So, it, it is
1: a, Well, apart from Leningrad. Yeah, which was. it is,
0: in a way, the, the silliest he gets. So, it is not the perfect introduction. That's why I brought it to college because
1: yeah we uh (laughs) we talked about that in the last episode as well we're trying to work out exactly what the circumstances were because it was like a film uh it was the film society screening where we would like spend all the money on pizza but i can't remember how anyone ever allowed you because it used to be that you
0: just uh, volunteered to pick a movie and that was the movie Uh because it was supposed to be something like this that you're able to have a safe space to share the movies you like but uh, it turns out that i overshared as i (laughs) usually do but um i saw it have like a few years ago it was during quarantine that we watched it and you know alex does like re-watching movies but she prefers watching something new unless it's like one of her favorite movies you know and uh, because we have such a long list of movies we want to watch for the first time that it's kind of hard to excuse to rewatch something. And she was like, OK, Friday night, we're going to watch Le Havre. Like, I like the movie, but I wish I was watching something new to get excited about. Oh, I'm going to watch this new thing. And immediately whenever we're watching, I turn around to her and you just see a big, broad smile her face and then the end of the movie she's like I can't stop thinking about how good this movie makes me feel it is the most yeah. it, it is the most incredibly feel good picture and I think that to a certain degree I g- agree with you that because the movie is not from the perspective of the refugees that there's a certain like white savior complex to it the uh, other side of hope is not the main character is also a a Finnish person, but it focuses far more on the experience of the refugee in that movie as well. Uh, I think that the balance of having the two in the filmography is important. I think if it was just this, it's more like talking about France than refugees. But at the same time, every he takes the same amount of care to for the patrol, the refugees, and Idrissa. In, particular that idris always feels like a character his own right with his own life and his own wants and desires and stuff like that so those all the the people that he meets along the way like in the the weird the uh, um refugee camp in the in the pas de calais um mm. that somehow the taxi driver knows where he's going
1: yeah was like oh i'm going here okay <laughs> <where> it is. <laughs> and then there's this great shot of him driving this like incredibly crystal tiny little road in this taxi
0: <laughs> and i love also that he stays for um, lunch with them sharing a meal that it's whenever they offer him that he's like no thank you or whatever and he yeah, then c- he's but i think that uh, overall it's it's one of those movies that gives you faith for humanity and not only for the fact that Of what the story is what what the story how the story is being portrayed and what the story is and what it is about but also that it gathered the the critical following but also more importantly the viewership that it deserves but also needs to work because i imagine like from reading a lot um, this movie is the most successful course movie financially like uh, i think it made 18 million dollars uh, with a budget that is about 3 million or something that uh not only it's amazing that a movie like this can be profitable but also that it reached the people that would need to reach and this is not the kind of movie i think that we've talked about uh, a lot of time that there are movies that are meant to be there to con- they're portraying a uh, topic with the idea of converting the audience to think like the movie does about that topic, be it like uh, sexual harassment, well, uh, racism, yeah. well, et we did flee recently, Sorry?
1: which we did flee recently, which is obviously you know a good comparison to this movie.
0: Yeah, and flee does the the thing that is trying to convince you that this is important, and it's like the people that are gonna watch flee already are convinced. I think that the difference between this movie and Flea for that particular thing is that its its uh, idea of um, activism is not to think that it is something important. It's more that it's something that you can do something about. So the people they are already watching they have, with the exception of those people in IMDb that are like fucking curse, is extreme left, uh, Stalinist or whatever the fuck. That, with the exception of those people, most people that will watch La have are people that already consider the refugee crisis as something that is uh, important. That refugees are people, etc. But what this movie does is to argue that you can do something about it. Mm. So, uh, it gathers the even if it is the case of like worrying about how to vote how to like your organizations are based how where you you know how news are portrayed that these things matter and you should also Mm. like keep attention to these and to even if it is the case of talking to people about it and not letting it fester in the dark that there's a a very particular I think it's very poignant that Jean-Pierre Lowe doesn't share any dialogue with any other character because his views have been isolated within that community it's sad though that we are here well, 11 years later and nothing has changed whatsoever and it's
1: just thinking that it's just thinking that yeah it it does like 2011 feels very very far away um it's funny though just as you were saying that about um content that uh is facing up to something that seems completely insurmountable but at the same time is offering you like both humor and humanism and hope and for some reason the thing that popped into my head was um uh, <laughs> uh well it's never far from my mind uh no there's sort of, there's a kind of a like explosion of sort of like Uh, YouTube channels around like you know urbanism and city planning and climate change and all this kind of stuff and I I watch quite a few of them a lot of them are really good I discovered a new one recently and uh, I think it might possibly be my best my favorite take on all the kind of different topics of climate change that you know of like how the idea of your carbon footprint is bullshit and all this stuff there's one guy that does a, a channel called climate town Uh, I really recommend him because he does it with such like silliness and humor but also like he's very well informed but he also comes at it with a okay we're at the point of the video where what are we going to do about it and he's giving you like all the different levels all the different things that you can do like as an individual as a community etc etc and he goes the whole way up and it's like it doesn't it like it's not that it makes you feel hopeful. It's it's that it makes you it it like cuts through your apathy. I think is is what stuff like that does. Um, and for anyone that like like, you know, like they have there's a whole fucking range of those books as well. They're like what you can do to like minimize your output and blah blah blah. And it's it seems just like I don't know a bit crusty or something. Um, I would highly recommend if you want to feel sort of kicked out of it a little bit to watch more content like that and like this when it comes to just really horrible um shit that's only getting worse <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, so uh what
1: was your favorite thing
0: kairos well like ev- like everything about the band like is charming and lovable and i think it, more than anything is that he really uses his influences on his like on his sleeve but he's able to carry carry them further to create his own style because obviously like ozu cassavetes Fassbinder, melville they all pop into his work and even other uh people that are his contemporaries that uh, like have p- actually popped in his movies like jim jarmusch and uh he in return has popped in in a jim jarmusch movie a night on earth and i think that is uh, something that uh, is very important for him as a filmmaker is that he started his work in film around Whenever he was in his 30s already, he worked. He's one of those few filmmakers that turn out big that actually had a life before filmmaking. He worked as a bricklayer, as a dishwasher. Mm. I think he worked as a postman as well. So it it gives him a real understanding of working class, what it is to be working class as an adult as well. Because there's a lot of filmmakers that, not a lot of filmmakers, unfortunately, because most filmmakers, like any career with power the the ones that get there are usually mid- high middle class at the very least you know even with something like yeah uh,
1: well they're able to afford to do it to begin with you know and
0: also that they have the safety net behind them is the thing like for example for all its sins like the, the correct depiction of la la land uh, mia's character uh, the emma stone character she has a middle class parents that live like two hours from LA so if the dream ever goes awry, she can always go back to her uh her family bedroom and kind of thing like it gives him it gives him a, a a certain um relevance that other directors like he's able to look at at being a working class person both from the inside and the outside so that's where the humanism of his working class characters. Uh, really comes from because they're not there just to say something politically or
1: yeah or <clears throat> to be like poverty porn or whatever you know
0: exactly and they're never a pawn for the story they're always like a person that just happens to be in the peripheries of his stories and i always appreciated that he could have made a movie about any of these characters. Just, like they're all so vivid and charismatic. Like the, if he decided to make a film universe of kurzmaki like Marvel you could have made like have it and then make a thousand fucking uh Off-shoots, spin-offs yeah. or whatever tv yeah. shows I, the one thing that one Karis market to do before he bites the bullet is a tv show i do love oh it the God. fact that one car wise releasing a tv show next week next year is like okay no, <sighs> Karis Mikey do now because just spending <laughs> like 10 hours with a Caris market character like this imagine like succession with charismaki directing it or something i don't know but and then what was your favorite thing
1: um oh like it's 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 charismaki as well um it's funny like i feel like in this movie it's all it's embodied in a lot of moments um like what why he's so great but there's one particular sequence that i really really like and it's whenever Marcel is going to eat his lunch beside the water, which is when he, I think, is that when he first encounters Idrissa? I think. Yeah, when Um,
0: he's uh, at the lunch on the steps looking down. Yeah,
1: so it starts off, first of all, super cute because he's got his little tin with his lunch in it. He's got a boiled egg. He's got a little sandwich. He's got his little salt. He's salting his egg. And then like, you know, Idrissa just kind of swims up and just kind of like, they have this very tiny little i don't think they even interact at all it's literally just this tiny little moment and then the cop appears and uh uh marcel gets up and like walks away and then goes and like has this little interaction with your one getting the i think does he go directly to get the food but either way he comes back later on and he 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 drops the sandwich and he puts the money in and the water and like the sound design is so fucking perfect because the sound of the sandwich and the paper and all you hear is a little bit of water moving you know he's there coming to get it you know what i mean like that's the only indication that he got the food until like later on whenever he appears and he gives back the money or whatever it's like it's such a like small perfect little moment it's like it's you know it's got like food in it it's got like it's just so perfect um Yeah, I had a great time in this movie. Um, I'm I'm uh, quite
0: delighted that you did. I don't know. Like, I don't (laughs) think that there's a way that if you have a heart not to like this movie.
1: The only thing I'll say is, uh, actually, just thinking about, um, because this is, about his style and everything. He's interesting because he's making movies across a lot of different languages and different cultures as well. Like, you know, Finland is very different to France, obviously. Um, But he's still, like, this is a very... French movie, but also not because it's a very charismatic film. So it's interesting how he's able to uh to to transfer his very particular style across languages and across like countries and stuff. Like that's that's very interesting. Um thank you, Aggie, for all you give us. Any uh least favorite things? <laughs> well,
0: like I think that the 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 most obvious one is the fact that uh he the um uh, we're still like if this movie came out today, in fairness as well, because it's charismatic, you wouldn't notice that there was 11 years between the movies. If you just released this movie today <laughs> and said, oh, I shot it last week. The only way that you'd realize that it wasn't shot last week is to if you see the behind the scenes, that nobody would be wearing masks and that'd be the uh. only giveaway. <laughs> what is your least favorite thing?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's some similar thing. It, I think it's the... The sort of sad feeling you get when you realize how long ago 2011 was. You know, and how far away it feels in a lot of ways. It's like, almost still a time when you could have had hope about certain things. I don't know. Like, not that... Not that it's that long ago or whatever. Obviously, this still would have come out in the middle of the recession and stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, (laughs) there's a... (laughs) The storm clouds were already gathering, but it wasn't quite as fucking clear as it is now. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it still felt like things could have turned around, and yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a different feeling watching that now, even to how it would have felt if I'd watched this like five years ago. You know.
0: Well, he is due a new film, I think, because uh, he makes a movie usually like once every five years or so. So yeah uh the other Ooh. side of hope was 2017
1: so yeah come on aki we need you
0: <laughs> the world needs you
1: the world needs you god well, like,
0: oh. I, I don't think that I, like uh, you know if aki kersaki i don't know fucking took a blow to the head or something became like a qanon conspiracy theorist or something and uh, I think that I I wouldn't be able for this world without uh, like a a say Naki Karzmaiki. So it's kind of kind of also scary that I have so much invested on this man.
1: There is a reason why I put him on the front cover of our uh, our hundred episode magazine. <laughs> so that was uh, Le have 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 Havre. Havre, Havre, Havre
0: Lahain. <laughs> La uh. <laughs> it couldn't be more. Different to Lahaye, and I think this is a movie <laughs> in every sense was of the like, word.
1: I was like gearing up for it as well. I was like, Ooh, I gotta, yeah." But anyways, um, yeah. So, uh, Ricardo, um, if they can go, you know, go back all the way to episode thirty uh, to listen to our other Akirismaki episode where we are young and full of joy, uh, where can they find us?
0: They can find us on Facebook, the Recommendation Game on Twitter at the Rack Game. Well, as long Twitter exists, uh, the Recommendation <laughs> Game. Uh, gmail.com Dating is our email. Uh, we're on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday, 11 to 12. And you can uh, follow us on Spotify, your podcaster of choice, and the Dublin Digital Radio Mix Cloud. Next week's film is picked by Orla.
1: Yes, our first Taiwanese film. Uh, which is The Hole from uh, 1998, I believe. Uh, yeah, so uh, until then, uh, I was Orla Melinas.
0: And I was Ricardo Deacon.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: See you next week. Love you, again.